Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here is your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to my 416th ever show of all around sports. Reach Monday at noon Eastern time. We broadcast live from Florida to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to, my, to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Well, my highlight of the week is yesterday's New England Patriots win over the Arizona Cardinals on a walk-off 50-yard field goal by Nick Folk, uh, where the Patriots just kept their season alive yet again by squeaking out the win. Patriots uh, just won't die. It's like every other week. It seems like they've, uh, they're have done for the year and they somehow managed to just stay alive. It felt like the end when they lost to the Texans last week. But uh, they rallied yesterday, again playing that brand of old school football. Cam Newton's statistics were like 84 yards total passing. He had, at best, an uneven game, but uh, but he made the play when he had to, which was uh, third and long, and he ran, perhaps his best quality, got the first down, and uh, and they went on to win the game. And surprisingly, the Cardinals had a chance to win it, but their kicker missed the field goal attempt. Rather surprising. And, uh, and Cam had also thrown an interception at the end of the game to set that up. And, uh, but they managed to survive and live to fight another day. Um, so again, they just, uh, you know, I have a, I have an image of Belichick calling up his playbooks from 20, 30 years ago. And that's the new offense that he's running. And, uh, which is basically, you know, uh, Right out of Ohio State, Woody Hayes, uh, power running game. James White scored his first two touchdowns of the year yesterday. That's hard to believe, but um, but he's had a rough season with his uh, parents in the auto accident, as we all recall, back a number of weeks ago. And uh, so again, uh, up in New England, uh, the feeling is just kind of keep it going, keep it alive. The bar has lowered dramatically from the past 20 years, uh, where it's just a matter of, uh, you know, being relevant, staying alive for a playoff spot. Uh, they've won four out of the last five, so they're at five and six. And uh, these days, that gets you in the, uh, keeps you in the playoff hunt in the NFL. And other notable games yesterday uh, leads into my low light of the week. Which was the Tampa Bay Bucks getting beat by the Chiefs at home at Raymond James, site of the Super Bowl uh, this year, and a lot of hopes that yesterday's game was a preview of that. But certainly the uh, Bucks didn't show that in the first half. They let Tyreek Hill just simply run wild. I think he had 289 yards receiving, like the most by an NFL receiver since maybe the 1980s and uh, Patrick Mahomes was just dealing mostly the hill and they dominated uh, the first half, but to their credit, the Bucks and Tom Brady, uh, Brady never quits. That's if I learned one thing as a season ticket member of the last 20 years plus up in New England, it's that uh, never count Brady out of a game or, or a race. And, uh, and so they come back, they, you know, 
uh, got back in the game, drew within three, and then uh, as n- not surprisingly, they just could not stop uh, the Bucks from running out the clock, or excuse me, the Chiefs from running out the clock, and and that was that. So Brady uh, did shake hands with Patrick Mahomes after the game, but then he cut his press conference pretty short. It was just a couple minutes, so doesn't appear to be the happiest of happy guys these days. So we'll see how that all uh, turns out. But uh, it was interesting. I'm down in the Tampa area, and the interest in the Bucks is just tremendous. Uh, really running high, and uh, again. Wouldn't count Brady out yet, or the Bucks. Uh, Chiefs are looking terrific, no doubt about it. But at least the Bucks closed strong and made it a game at the end, and uh, hopefully that'll carry over for them. Other games of note yesterday: the Tennessee Titans went into Indianapolis and just pounded Colts, and uh, Derrick Henry was back to his end of season form of last year where he was basically running all over the league. And uh, it was the uh, King Henry was back yesterday, that's for sure. And the Titans just looked uh, tremendous. So it was uh, a resounding victory for them. The Niners beat the Rams, a bit of a shocker at SoFi Stadium, the new stadium down in L.A. And, of course, the Niners have been just injury-riddled. But got a couple guys back yesterday, Debo Samuel and the running back Mostert. They both were relevant, played good games, and uh, and all credit to the 49ers. They're hanging in there, despite being just massively depleted pretty much throughout the season. Uh, Nick Mullins was the quarterback, no Jimmy G, and, uh, and that was definitely a, a big upset for them to go into L.A. and win that game. And, of course, we have to talk about the Cleveland Browns. They beat the Jaguars yesterday, close game, and they are now 8-3. and It just seems uh, like I haven't said that in more than a decade, Um, nor have any of us. Uh, The Browns are in second place uh, in the AFC North, and uh, they're looking formidable. They look for real. So, we again, we haven't seen this in forever. Uh, it feels like basically since they moved back to Cleveland in this new iteration of the Browns. And, uh, yeah, again, the Browns, 8-3. and three. It's just uh, pretty incredible and good for them. Finally, my bizarre story of the week is the Pittsburgh Steelers, Baltimore Ravens, COVID situation. Uh, the game is now scheduled for tomorrow night at 8 p.m., Tuesday night on NBC, uh, which is great. That's a, uh, that's a bonus football there getting it on a Tuesday night. And, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of disappointment that they didn't play on Thanksgiving night. I think all of a, every football fan in America was anxious to settle in on Thanksgiving night and watch that classic rivalry. Uh, and the NFL then moved it to Sunday uh, with all the other one o'clock games, and uh, and then the outbreak continued down there in Baltimore with positive tests, so they uh, moved it to Tuesday night. It's all systems go. When last I heard this morning, and uh, again, bonus football and a great robbery on NBC, 8 p.m. tomorrow night, and that should be fabulous to watch and. COVID has uh, been presenting problems for the NFL in, this, in scheduling, but yesterday we had a unique situation with the Broncos. Their entire quarterback room uh, was not eligible to play after positive tests and co- contact tracing and the like, uh, exposure. So they ended up having to pull a wide receiver off their practice squad who became their quarterback. And uh, so that was fascinating to say the least. And, uh, and yeah, um, needless to say, they did not win. And, uh, you know, again, NFL has its hands full with COVID. I applaud them for the way they're handling it. Just keep moving forward. 
uh, not as much flexibility in rescheduling games as there was uh, a mere, uh, you know, a few weeks ago. Um, but they just keep forging ahead. And again, I applaud them for that. I think that's what they should do. So let's all keep our fingers crossed and hope that uh, the Ravens and Steelers indeed get it on from Heinz Field tomorrow at 8 p.m. So now let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton, a former admissions officer at the University of Pennsylvania, and featuring her fellow admissions and college finance experts from Bright Horizons College Coach. The show shares what colleges are really looking for and how to highlight your hard-won achievements for the best chance of success. New episodes air every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. A brave heart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Brave Hearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Brave Hearts Radio Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now back to the show voice america listeners welcome back to segment two of all around sports and i am your host john inglesby to join the show, the call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, and it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing very well, John. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you, as always, for calling in, and big weekend, uh, the traditional Saturday after Thanksgiving, Iron Bowl between Alabama and Auburn, and Alabama flexed its muscles this year. Um, you never know about this game, that's for sure. But uh, Alabama looked really good, uh, looked like the number one team in the country that they are, and uh, basically cruised to uh, a pretty easy victory, which is not often the case in the Iron Bowl. Yeah, they sure did, John. Uh, 42 to 13. Uh, Mac Jones, five touchdowns. That tied a record for that game with Tua Tungavailoa. Devontae Smith, 171 yards. He, he was impressive with a couple touchdowns and showed his speed and route running. And Najee Harris, 11 carries, 96 yards, had a touchdown. He moves up the charge. He's got 37 now rushing touchdowns at Alabama and seven receiving. So it's 44. He's just six be, behind the all time total leader, Sean Alexander, the former NFL MVP for the Seattle Seahawks. So there's a lot of, 
talent on that team. That trio is very difficult to stop. I know, and then you include John Meshi, the wide receiver. John Meshi the third had a couple touchdowns himself. So he's taking over for Jalen Waddle, who's injured in the Tennessee game on the kick return, opening kickoff return. So, and then Alabama's defense continues to impress and shut out opponents. I mean, and you know, shut them down. And and ever since that Ole Miss game, they had a big turnaround. It's been better tackling, proper angles. Uh, improved communication in the secondary, especially uh, besides the entire defense, getting pressure on the quarterback, maybe not the sacks, but they, and they had a few on Saturday, but they're pressuring the quarterback, so that's an improvement. And then, you know, Alabama's offensive line continues to open the holes, protect Mac Jones. Kicking is uh, 100%, haven't missed all season, extra points, and field goes eight for eight. So this is a team that a few years ago missed nine or ten extra points, John. So uh, that's come a long way as well. Yes, uh, all facets of the game are just clicking right now for Alabama. And let's not forget the, the lead. Nick Saban tested positive, so he was not on the sidelines. So I'm guessing there was concern. It felt like a wild card heading in. But, you know, Steve Starkazian uh, was the acting head coach for the day, and uh, he has experience as a former coach at USC. And, uh, you know, Alabama did not miss a beat. No, I mean, they, they had this fire drill, per se, uh, a month or so ago against Georgia when Nick Saban tested, had a false positive, and then had, I think it was three PCR tests to prove negative, so he was able to coach against Georgia. So they had all the contingencies mapped out prior to this game. They just had to implement them for the Auburn game because he, he definitely couldn't coach. So uh, it's something that they were felt comfortable. And Steve Sarkeesian was a head coach at Washington and USC. And he's a great play caller because they're averaging 49 points a game. They put up 42 on Saturday. So there was no you know, big concerns about him taking command. Correct. Not at all. And uh, he obviously did a great job. Again, they were, uh, you know, uh, in fine form, as they say. And again, looking like every bit the number one team in the country that they are. And uh, another team that's looking good, AP, is Florida. And their quarterback, Kyle Trask, uh, they rang it up, rang up Kentucky on Saturday, and it's looking more and more like it could be the Gators and the Tide in the SEC championship game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Florida with Kyle Trask, he's – one of the leading candidates to win the Heisman Trophy Award this season. They have a wealth of receivers, a tall receiver. I think his name is Pitts, six foot six. Pitts, gives tight end. Team, yeah, is that yeah, tight end? Right, he gives people fits uh, yes. with that size and ability. So that's going to be a difficult matchup for any team. Uh, now, defensively, we're not so sure about the Gators, but. If they get on top of you and it's a track meet, you better bring your shoes and tie them up t- very tightly <laughs> because they, they can put points on the board for certain. Exactly, exactly. And Kyle Trask, quite a story from where he's come to be uh, perhaps the leader in the Heisman race right now and just ringing up big, big numbers. Yeah, absolutely. He's got something like 34, 35 and. <laughs> eight games I think it's a record for the SEC to have that many at this point so that that's phenomenal that what he's done and for somebody who in his, in his career it's it's been uh, you know you're not sure if he was going to be the starter because in, even in high school I think he was kind of a backup right so that's been and even at, at Florida he was behind Felipe Franks who eventually transferred to Arkansas so Kyle Trask that's quite a story to never give up stay the course Keep doing your best. Somebody's watching, and as we say, the world turns. Correct, AP. And the SEC, uh, obviously the best conference in college football, it it looks like it's pretty much turned into a two-horse race here. And they're in different divisions, so now it's really just all pointing to, uh, you know, to the SEC championship game. You know, the traditional powers like Georgia, LSU, what have you, just don't seem like – it's going to be happening for them this year. Not that they're not capable of upsets along the way, but, uh, but yeah, it, it's just more and more looking like Florida versus Alabama, which would be a great, which would be a great game. 
Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it'll be a fantastic game because Alabama, I mean, we know that if the communication is not on the same level, they can be uh, picked apart. As we saw, Ole Miss put 48 on a non-ranked Ole Miss team, the most ever against an Alabama football team, a non-ranked team since they've been having the Associated Press poll in 1936. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And some other games of note. Uh, I can't help but mention that Penn State finally uh, got off the schneid and won their first game of the year. Hard to say, hard to believe I'm saying that in uh, the last day of November, but they did. And they went up to Michigan, who's also having an equally bad season, and beat the Wolverines. So Penn State's finally on the board. Uh, good for them. Uh, 0-5 going in. It was the worst start in the history of the program. So now they got a victory under their belt and see if they can make a little noise before the season ends. But speaking of the, uh, you know, the Big Ten, Michigan State, uh pulled off a major upset, beating Northwestern, who had been undefeated and were coming off their big victory over Wisconsin a week earlier. Yeah, that was very impressive that that happened, John, because uh, Northwestern was sitting pretty, trying to be undefeated and get to that championship game and and having a chance to play Ohio State. Now, Northwestern, they don't score a lot of points, but they had played good defense up to that after that game, but it, it just came tumbling down. This sp- old Sparty was ready. They were. They were. And, you know, quality program uh, and, you know, but not having a good year either. And uh, But they showed up, and it just, you know, goes to show you that a quality program, uh, even in a bad year, can jump up and pull the upset just about any time. And Notre Dame, they're looking strong, AP. They really are. Um you know, they went down into uh, Chapel Hill and handled North Carolina on uh, on Friday. And uh, we all know they beat Clemson, who did not have Trevor Lawrence for that game. Uh, so that's looking more and more like Notre Dame-Clemson in, frankly, a quasi-playoff game. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a playoff game. Everything from here on out is a playoff game for all these top teams. And what's going to what tends to bring me um, into the Notre Dame fold is they're more athletic defensively, which yes. they showed against yes. a, a top North Carolina team that's as good as any offensively. I mean, you have a quarterback, throws for thousands of yards, 30, 40 touchdowns, and he's only a sophomore, but he's that good, Sam Howe. They have receivers, 1,000 yards apiece, running backs, 1,000 yards. I mean, that's a high-powered offense. And they shut him down in that second half. I think the total was under 300, which is phenomenal. Correct. When you think about it, John, that doesn't happen very often. Very impressive second half for Notre Dame. I mean, they look like the real deal. Their quarterback is excellent, Ian Book. He can run as well as throw, nice mobility. and uh, But, yeah, the defense just really rose up in the second half and, you know, clamped down and put that game away. So uh, Notre Dame-Clemson for the ACC title. It would appear uh, that championship game would be, you know, on a par, if not uh, certainly on a par with Alabama-Florida. I mean, we're, we're shaping up for some terrific championship games, and I believe they're all going to get played on December 19th. Yeah, those are fantastic games, John. I mean, uh, excellent quarterbacks, all four teams. Uh, Alabama's defense is coming on, as we, we mentioned. Notre Dame, I've played solid defense all year. Uh, Clemson, hopefully they'll be healthy. Trevor Lawrence is back. We see how he dismantled Pittsburgh and uh, Florida. Kyle Trask, that high, high flying offense, uh, they can score in the, you know from the locker room. I mean, they're that good right. on that side of the football. And defensively, they have to just just to do enough to stop the, uh, Alabama if that's the opponent right now. Hey, John, I just wanted to go back to one thing about that Iron Bowl game, just to speak, yes. Auburn, to speak with Auburn for a second. Um, they're badly in need, I think, of just a quarterback coach. I don't mean the play caller. I don't mean somebody who designs the offenses. Uh, but somebody who can just be with the quarterback on all the technical issues that uh, he's presented game in and game out because – Bo Nix has ability, but he's just dancing around in the pocket there and 
struggling to own some ill-advised interceptions, and they have some very good receivers, running backs. The, the offensive line was uh, had some reserves, of course, for this game. But I just think that Gus Malzahn, like I tell every coach, and I don't know why they don't have them, but some people have on their staff the offensive coordinator, play caller, brilliant minds, but they they're not technicians to coach for, for coaching the quarterback position. Correct. Yeah, Bo Nix. Uh, you know, he did some great things right out of the box early in his freshman year, and you know, but he just hasn't been able to be consistent since then, and thereby Auburn themselves have not been able to be consistent here over the last year or two. Yes, and it's really plagued them because one week they're fine; uh, they struggle, they struggle through to put some points on the board, and then the next week. They can't, you know, find the right receiver. The play calling is suspect. Uh, in the Alabama game, Seth Williams, a sure-handed receiver, had a, a touchdown thrown to him. Would have been about 50, 60 yards or something like that. Would have been a, probably a 21 to 10 halftime score. Would have given them, given them some hope, but he dropped the football. Right. And I so, saw that. Uh, yes. You know, yeah, Auburn. They, you know, usually good defensively, but in this day and age, you can't rely on your defense because they get worn out. I mean, you might survive a game or two early, but over the course of the season, they're, they're tired. Their, their legs are tired, and it just becomes a burden. Absolutely. Well, good analysis, AP, as always, especially on the Alabama-Auburn game, the legendary Iron Bowl. Uh, but it's time for our first break, and still have a lot to get to on the other side. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Voice America presents a new kind of health awareness talk show, the Sharon Kleina Hour, health, environment, and the power of water. Show host Sharon Kleina interviews leading scientists to discover how each of us can become proactive in protecting our personal health environment in an increasingly unhealthy world. Every show offers new information that could save your life. The Sharon Kleina Hour is health from an environmental perspective, your ultimate source for a personal environmental lifestyle. Listen Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Jeracy Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Ingleby. To join the show. The call-in number is 1-866-472-5788, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. 
And AP, we talked a lot of college football, as always, last segment. And interesting weekend in college football because history was made. And uh, with the first Power Five women's player ever participating in a game, in a Power Five game. Yeah, absolutely, John. Vanderbilt University, they had some issues with the uh, special teams people. So they reached out to Sarah Fuller, who's the goalkeeper on the SEC champion Vanderbilt women's soccer team. And uh, the former coach, because we know he was released over the weekend, uh, head coach reached out and she agreed to be the kicker for Vanderbilt as they uh, played Missouri in a a conference game. So that was a significant uh, moment in uh, Power 5 football. Yes. I would say that I would say that you know salute to her, congratulations to her. Uh, what they asked her to do was make a directional kick on the kickoff, which is essentially twenty twenty five yards down the field. They didn't ask her to uh, kick to the end zone, so um, it's something that a lot of people watching say, "Well, I can do that," and they could, but they probably couldn't kick a thirty five yard field goal. And that's what she did. I think she said her maximum when she was practicing was 38 yards. So that's what separates her. And she's she's big. She's six foot two, and she's uh, you know athletic, of course. But I just wanted to make note that for people who are not familiar with women kicking in college, there are uh, a handful of women who have kicked in college and made extra points and field goals, which is takes skill because. Let's take at a place like Alabama. They, the, the normal field goal kicker, he is not the person that kicks off. So that right. person's skill is not the same as a field goal kicker trying to kick extra points or a field goal. That's that's a different type of skill. So I would just say, you know, to temper the enthusiasm for Sarah Fuller, what she did. Uh, it's great that she was on the field, but. Until she kicks a field goal, makes an extra point, I don't think she separated herself from all these other women who made field goals and and made extra points in college. I totally agree. Yeah, it's important to, you know, get on the board, as they say. You know, rack up some statistics uh, that are in the record books then forever, uh, beyond just, you, you know, playing, participating, whatever. Uh, you, you, once you get a score, extra point, field goal, whatever, then you're just uh, on the record for all time. So hopefully uh, that'll happen soon, um, and I'm guessing it will. Um, but, yes, quite an accomplishment yeah. and yet another breakthrough in the world of college football. Oh, oh yeah, I can't wait to see her attempt the field goal. I mean, I'm pulling for her. I hope she – I'd oh, love yeah. to see her get a 50-yarder. <laughs> you know, that would really say – you know, not only did she make it, made a field goal, she made the ultimate in field goal kicking in all any level of football, the 50-yarder. Correct, correct. Exactly what Nick Folk kicked yesterday for the uh, Patriots when they beat uh, the Arizona Cardinals on a walk-off field goal, 50 yards. <laughs> and it was no gimme, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, that, that's amazing. That's, it is that's amazing. amazing. But, uh, but um like I said, there's been kickers uh, in semi-pro ball, women uh, in this century. Matter of fact, I'm not sure. Uh, and I think there are even people it's before that in 97. There's, you know, I'm reading about some women who were kickers. So it's happened before, just not in the Power Five conference. I mean, normally Correct. at a school like Vanderbilt or somebody in the SEC, you've got some kickers. But with this COVID situation, that changes. That's a game changer, no pun intended. Indeed it is, AP. I mean, it's wreaking havoc. You know, it just seems like routinely something around a dozen games per weekend are canceled or postponed. And with the clock running, hard to believe, tomorrow is December, just less and less flexibility to reschedule these games. And uh, so it's going to be fascinating. You know, it's, it's everywhere, including the NFL and college football as well as having, you know, a lot of difficulty. And like I said, they're just running out of flexibility here. So sure to be quite a fascinating month, I would think, uh, on that front and the potential tremendous effect it could have. uh, You know, we're hearing things about, you know, you have to play six games to qualify for the league championship, that type of thing. Ohio State could be in jeopardy there. So crazy situation. 
Yeah, it sure is, John. And and if we can just assess some of the things happening in college football this year, some of the bigger names, Texas and Michigan, and you mentioned Penn State before, and Florida State, and uh, I'm trying to think of a couple more, but you never would think all in the same season they're having difficulty winning on the field and beating teams that they normally have have for like a decade, you know, they're just struggling. It's just incredible. And you ask, what is the common denominator? And the only thing I can say is it's leadership. Uh, I mean, you know, this happens at, at every, it happens at every school you could think of, you know, Notre Dame, Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, USC, um, UCLA, you know, Oregon was upset by Oregon State. That shouldn't happen. I mean, they're getting top recruits right. compared to Oregon State. There's nobody probably at, there's probably nobody at Oregon State that even Oregon's looking at to recruit probably at this point because they've changed that culture up there. So you know, it's happening now to Penn State and you know, like I said, Florida State and uh, Miami. I mean, every school if you don't have the right person in place, that one person, uh, and it takes the one person above them to hire that that individual, right? So it's really yes. like a partnership. You, somebody had the foresight to choose someone, uh, the leader of that football program who, who changed the fortunes and made them an elite program, but everyone goes through it, and it's just been very difficult for Texas trying to find somebody after Mac Brown left. Um, you know, Michigan, you brought in this the legendary figure, Jim Harbaugh, he hasn't been able to get the players or develop them or both. And so they're struggling And Penn State. I, I mean, they were a top 10 team prior to the season and right. won their first game. You know, Florida State's trying to recover, you know, with a new coach. It's going to take them a while probably to implement a system. But it's just incredible, John, that so many of those Names the blue blood and blue blood and then the Nouveau Riche names you know like Florida State I consider them Nouveau Riche uh, not a blue blood but the Nouveau Riche team they are struggling all in the same season. Correct and AP I can't put it any better than just a little over a year ago October nineteenth of nineteen I was at the Penn State Michigan whiteout my first ever whiteout uh, maybe number one thing to do on my sports bucket list and. Penn State was undefeated. Michigan, if they weren't undefeated, were certainly having a great season, too. And it was one of the most big-time college sports events I've ever attended in my life. It's unique, obviously, 110,000 people wearing white. But on the field, we had two superpowers. And here we are a year later, AP, and it was basically the game was irrelevant up in the big house. You know, the stadium was empty. Um, obviously, and and both teams, you know, Penn State at zero and five, we're starting program history. Michigan's really struggling at two and three, and like treated beating Rutgers in overtime the week before like it was, you know, uh, the title game. And uh, and yeah, I I thought that was just such a telling uh, situation of how far things can fall in just a little over a year. Like, pretty incredible to me. That's what I was thinking watching that game on Saturday, which I'm guessing would have been the 8 o'clock national game, 8 p.m., and instead it was a, a, the noon game. So right. I, I, yeah. you, you hit it perfectly. These, these legendary programs, are many of them are having a really, really uh, tough year, to put it mildly. Hey, and it's going to go right to John, I forgot. Yeah, and I forgot to mention Nebraska. Nebraska, Nebraska yeah. as well. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and and even to some, and even to some degree, you look at Oklahoma. I mean, a couple of losses now. I think they, I think they have two. Oh yeah. And you know they're they're ranked and everything, but I would think in this era of football, uh, you you should still be you know one loss season at Oklahoma two at the very most, and I'm concluding the bowl game, too. Well, exactly. No doubt about it. And, you know, speaking of Nebraska, I was out in a few years ago in Lincoln for my first ever game at Memorial Stadium. Basically, it sold out since 1961 or whatever. And Ohio State come in and just put an absolute whooping on them. Uh, the Nebraska season ticket holders that 
we were talking to that night, uh, people were leaving at halftime. And they basically, it, it was there, you know, they hit bottom on that night, uh, to say the least. I forget what it was, 28, 35, nothing at halftime, something like that. And people were leaving a Nebraska game at halftime, just literally unheard of. So how the mighty have fallen, AP. Yeah, and like I said, uh, the only common denominator, and some, some I can think of was leadership, but you look at some of the head coaches of these teams, you wouldn't think that would be the case. I mean, I wouldn't think that Jim Harbaugh would be in this situation or Scott oh, Frost or, um, you know, James Franklin at Penn State. I mean, he won at Vanderbilt, okay? Correct. And Vanderbilt just exactly. fired a coach because they have zero wins there, and he took him to a bowl a couple years in a row, at least minimum, as I recall. And here yes. we are at Penn State with all the resources, all the tradition and the history and the location and the the, the, the right league and and, uh, you know, there's only one other team that's really mastering everybody right now is Ohio State. Uh, you know, uh, at this point, everyone else playing for second. Right. And Ohio State's um, coach, so, Ryan Day, tested positive. So, uh, so it's just, it's a crazy season, AP, unlike anything we've ever seen on every aspect of our life. And certainly uh, filtering in and having a major impact on college football and AP we're at the end of our second segment together. Still have a few more things to get to on the other side. Follow us on Twitter at voice America TRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows and your favorites. That's voice America TRN. Have you checked out Teen Wealth Radio? It's a show for teens, their parents, and educators. Hosted by Brandy England, along with regular weekly contributors, Teen Wealth Radio will cover the topics that teens need to talk about. Plus, we discuss a book of the week and a movie of the week, and each show will offer a challenge to our teen listeners that they can share on our private Facebook group page. Be sure to tune in to Teen Wealth Radio, live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Variety. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you ever experienced the joy of living? Not just aspects of your life, but the true joy of life itself. Barry Shore has. You could call him an ambassador of joy. From a successful entrepreneur to becoming a quadriplegic due to a rare disease to his ongoing recovery through swimming and physical rehabilitation. Barry now presents his gifts to others as host of The Joy of Living. All you need to do is tune in. Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham, veteran multimedia personality who covers Alabama football and many other sports as well. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tomorrow, yes, tomorrow night's NFL game, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Baltimore Ravens on NBC at 8 p.m. Eastern time. 
And AP, uh, it's the second time this game has been moved. It doesn't, you know, still feels a little shaky on whether or not it's going to get played, uh, given the positive test going on within the Ravens organization. Assuming it is played, it doesn't appear that Lamar Jackson will be playing uh, at quarterback because he tested positive. Uh, but, you know, it was a weird dynamic on Thanksgiving night. I and millions of football fans were, I think, pretty excited to sit down and uh, watch Steelers, Ravens, maybe the best rivalry in the NFL, get it on on Thanksgiving night, the day the calendar, the schedule come out. I looked at that game and I said, oh, that's going to be a ratings blockbuster. Uh, who, who wouldn't be watching that game on Thanksgiving night? But instead we get a... We get it on a Tuesday night on a bonus, some bonus football, and uh, it'll still be good, no doubt about it. Yeah, and John, as you said, uh, anytime Pittsburgh and Baltimore gets together, eyes are going to be glued to the sets in, in their phones and any other form of communication to watch that ball game. Pittsburgh's undefeated. What's that? What are they, John? Ten and zero, eleven and zero. Is that what their record is right now? Yep, undefeated. Yeah, ten and zero, and. Uh, yeah, Baltimore, they sure would like to beat Pittsburgh. You know, that's a rival, plus they need the victory. So it should be a good a good ball game. But this virus situation, who knows who's going to be available? Exactly. It's pretty much a must game for Baltimore. Uh, I can't put it any simpler than this, AP. They're behind the Cleveland Browns in the standings. I think that says it all right yeah, there. <laughs> yes, it does. Oh, you need that's, to know. Uh, that's still... Yeah, that that uh, Rust Belt, those two teams, Pittsburgh and Cleveland, going at each other, and uh, yeah, Baltimore is just trailing. So yeah, they need to win that ball game for sure. No doubt about it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm you know I'm glad it's tomorrow night, and by that I mean you know when they moved it from Thanksgiving night to Sunday at one fifteen, I think it was uh, originally. You know, I was just disappointed in that it it's such a classic game that it was just thrown in with the rest of the pack shall we say, for Sunday at 1. So I was just thrilled to see, and I'm sure NBC was too, by the way, thrilled to see that it was, uh, you know, taken out and, uh, you know, had to be moved back a little further. Um, And here we go. It's going to own the sports waves tomorrow night, back to its proper place of, uh, granted, not Thanksgiving night by any means, when all of America is just settled, settled in, shall we say. Uh, but I think it'll still draw a huge rating. And, uh, yeah, I've enjoyed these. Uh, I think it's the second Tuesday night game, at least, that they've had this year. And I've enjoyed it very much so, you know, having, having these games on uh, different nights than we're used to. Oh, yes. Everybody's looking for football games to be played, you know, on the collegiate level. They've called off so many. I, I don't think the NFL has called off to any game, John. I don't think. I don't think Post so, home, AP. Yes. No, in call, fact, call, know, called off, no, yeah. Yeah, and I applaud the NFL's approach. You know, it's like COVID's going to be here. There's going to be positive tests. And they're just forging ahead uh, and getting these, you know, being very creative. Uh, no better example than what we were just talking about with the Ravens and Steelers. And uh, I just think it's a good approach to just, you know, move forward, do what they can while they can do it. And it's very fluid and they're being extremely flexible and fluid and making it happen. And I think AP yesterday, as we uh, get towards the close of the show yesterday with the Broncos uh, entire quarterback room ineligible to play yesterday due to covid uh, that they pulled a wide receiver off the practice squad who was their quarterback in yesterday's game. So if ever a game was going to be, quote, canceled slash forfeited, whatever you want to say, I think that would have been the game, and it did not happen, as we know. So I think uh, the NFL sent a major, a major statement there that, you know, they're going to play the games, just that simple, and up to the teams to figure out how to do it. Yeah, John, that was kind of a, a fascinating uh, game with, with the fact that they had to use a, a person who was, wasn't even in playing football last year, I think, right? Was not, not involved in the game. 
I believe so, yes. Here he comes Kirby comes back and he's on the reserve or something and he next thing you know, he's a starting quarterback. It reminded me, I think, one of the earlier times I've ever watched the Denver Broncos and Marlon Briscoe, the former wide receiver, was quarterback yes. in the team. I remember that, yes. Uh rather legendary Jack of All Trades. The minute you said his name, I instantly thought of that term, Jack of All <laughs> Trades. He could kind of do it all. And uh Yeah. So yeah, it's hard to believe, AP. Tomorrow is December, and, uh, you know, we're getting into the good stuff now. And, you know, by the way, you know, hats off to both the NFL and college football for just keeping it moving forward. Uh, you know, somehow, some way, we've made it to December, and that was no sure thing a mere couple weeks ago, let alone a couple months ago. But here we are, and it looks like, yeah. uh, you know, uh, it's looking good for championship games and whatnot to be played. Uh, nothing is certain these days, as we know, but it's looking good. Yeah, I think so, John. Uh, it, it's been the management of the situation. I mean, that's leadership, John. I mean, in, and especially in this crisis situation, at that, it was at that level. So you have to salute them for uh, massaging the situation and getting all these games scheduled and played and trying to figure out what's what's the best for the league and you know even on the collegiate the collegiate level it's been a little bit uh rougher john i think because you have these commissioners from each conference so they're making the individual decisions and it's not a unified position by uh the fbs level schools correct correct well ap hard to believe we've come to the end of the show uh, thank you so much for calling in, as always, and we look forward to uh, covering what will be another exciting football weekend coming up, starting tomorrow, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, it's been a pleasure to be on this week, uh, John, and we'll, we've got a lot of football to be played, and if they can get through this next month uh, on the collegiate level, it'll be great. Uh and then the pros, they go all the way to February, so that's a little bit longer. Exactly. The best time of the year for many reasons. And as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it all again next Monday at noon Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning into All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.